Well, good morning. Welcome to Silver Creek. We are glad that you're here. If you're joining us online, welcome. Uh, we are in our second week of our four-week series called When Pigs Fly. Uh, and really what we're trying to do is we're trying to look at the fact that we follow and serve a God uh, that still does miracles. That still causes things to happen even when we don't think they might ever happen. And last week we talked about the fact that, that God has power over the forces of darkness and over, over Satan and his demons. So if you're like, wow, I need to be creeped out, you can go back and listen to that one. It's online. Um, next week we're going to talk about God's power to protect us in our lives. Week number four we're going to talk about God's miraculous ability to provide for us. Today, however, I believe has the potential to really develop and build some faith within each one of us. Because I'm convinced, out of this morning, we have the high potential to see God do some miracles among us. So before the end of this morning and our time together, we're going to talk about the fact that God still brings healing. That God still brings miracles of physical healing and miracles of emotional healing and miracles of relational healing. Now, I want you to understand up front when you start hearing that we're going to be doing healings. Uh, we're not bringing anybody up on stage. There's no like, be healed, knock them to the ground. Uh, I'm not pulling anybody's leg to make them longer, none of that. Um, you might know the story about where Jesus spits in the mud, and then he takes the mud, and he puts it on a guy's face and rubs it on his eyes, and then the guy um, can see. I have a pail of dirt um, out, out back, and then if anybody wants to join me after the service, I will, I will spit in your face, and we'll see. We'll give it a go. Um, but when we look in Scripture, what we find is that throughout the Old Testament, there's a lot of miracles of healing. And when we look in the New Testament, there's at least 30 different times where, where Jesus performs miracles as well, where, where sickness of a body is made right. In fact, it's, it's implied that hundreds and hundreds of times Jesus provided healing to the people that he came across. He, he would open blind eyes and he would, he would cause deaf ears to be able to hear and he would take those that were disabled and help them to walk and he raised people from the dead. If you keep reading through after the Gospels, you get to the book of Acts and there's actually a really funny story um, and it's only funny because we know how it ends, but um, there's this guy by the name of Paul and he's responsible for taking the message of Jesus basically around the world, uh, which means he was probably a really good preacher. I think you have to do that if you're going to do that. Anyway, um, one time Paul starts preaching. And he keeps preaching. And he keeps preaching. And it starts to go into the night and he starts preaching and preaching. And this one guy actually fell asleep, which is hard to believe anybody would ever do that in the middle of a sermon. <laughs> and I'm watching today. Anyway, um, so this, this one guy, unfortunately, he falls asleep and his name is Eutychus. And he's just a kid. He's probably you know, a young teenager. And he's sitting in the window. It's the second story of this building. And he actually falls asleep in the middle of the message. The window is open. He falls out the window and dies. Literally why we covered up our windows um, so that this would not happen. And I, and I know that I've put some of you to sleep, but Paul literally bored this kid to death. And here's why it's funny, because Paul then runs down, goes outside, goes to the little kid, lays his hands on him, and brings him back to life. That's a miraculous healing. Please don't die and fall asleep today. I don't, I don't know that I can, so please don't. Uh, one of the more controversial miracles in the New Testament um, happened when Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. Peter's mother Peter, one of his closest followers, um, Jesus actually healed his mother-in-law, which is precisely why people, some biblical scholars believe Jesus, or Peter denied knowing Jesus um, three times. 
I ran that past my mother-in-law last night. She did not laugh <laughs> at all. She's like, that's not a good one. Anyway, so uh, my, my hope this morning is that you and I will walk away uh, with a very firm belief that you and I still follow a God that has the power to heal. Listen to what Jesus said uh, in John's account of his life. It's on the screen, and it's in your message notes. This is what Jesus said. He said, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Than these, Jesus healed the sick. He walked on water. He raised the dead. He turned water into wine, and on and on and on and on. And Jesus says, Those who believe in him will do even greater things. That's why I believe that that the power that healed the sick when Jesus walked on earth is still very much available today. And it's not because we have new technology or new knowledge or new cleverness. It's because Jesus just said those of us that believe in him will do even greater things than he did. We serve a God for who all things are possible. So that when people say, ah, that'll only happen when pigs fly, God's like, well, show me the bacon and I'll slap on some wings. And send it into the air. That's what I'm anticipating today. That that we will see a miracle by a God that is a loving God. And and miracles don't always look the same. They don't don't always come in the exact same form. Uh, My younger brother, JJ, when he was in high school, uh, he got this massive blister on the bottom of his his foot and couldn't get it to fix. And it couldn't, you know, it just got worse and worse. And eventually it started to look like it was pretty infected. And they they called the doctor and they're like, hey, we've got this blister and it's starting to get infected. Should we come in? And they're like, nah, just take care of it. And they're like, well, there's a red streak starting to climb up his leg. And they're like, please come in right now. Um... So he goes to the doctor, and they take a look at it, and they give him some, you know, things he's supposed to do to it and not. He goes home, and as he gets home, his buddy, his, his buddy, his grandma, his buddy's grandma finds out about J.J.'s foot and says, I'm going to come over and pray for your foot. And so she comes over, makes J.J. take off his shoe, puts his foot up there, and then she literally just clenches onto his foot. <laughs> And starts praying, and he is just squirming in pain. Like, she's just praying and praying and squeezing on his blister. And he's like, oh, goodness, goodness. And then when she let go, it felt way better. And that was um, a complete act of God. (laughs) We serve a God that truly has the power and the capacity to literally heal physical issues. Not just Mrs. Kyrez uh, and her trick there. Anyway, sometimes, though, the problem is we have a hard time understanding this fact. We have a hard time understanding that, that God can always heal, but he doesn't heal every time. Because we all know about the stories, or we've gone through the stories, where there's the kid that's suffering from a tragic disease and ends up dying, even after parents and friends and pastors have prayed for healing. And the number of people that have, that have lost the battle to cancer, it, it's countless. We have people in our church today that are battling through life because they experienced polio as a kid, or Parkinson's now, or celiac disease, or shingles, or diabetes, or lupus, or autoimmune, and the list goes on and on and on. And sometimes we believe that God can, and then He doesn't, and it's very unsettling. And it sort of shakes us at our core, and it can really rock our world. So it's like, God, I I know you could, but why does my son still have migraines? Jesus, I I believe that you could, but, but why does my daughter still battle that eating disorder? 
God, we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and, and Grandma still died. I knew, we knew you could. And as a result, a lot of people end up concluding that, that evidently God either is not real or he's not good or he doesn't care. So we really have to figure out how do we reconcile this thought about God? How do we figure out how we can be praying fully in belief that he can heal and know that he has healed in the past, but sometimes he doesn't? Like we always know that he could and we think that he should, and so my hope today is that maybe we can sort of uncover some of the answers to how we deal with that and ultimately really begin to build our faith that God hears our prayers and that, that he hears those requests for miracles. So we really have to build this message around this idea and understand and embrace this thought that God literally can heal every single time, but he doesn't heal every single time. He always can. Our God has the capability to heal, and sometimes he does, and sometimes he doesn't. And most of us know that's true. We understand that. It's just, it's really tough to move beyond it. In theory, it's great until it's in our face, until it's our reality. And God's not afraid of that. God's not afraid of that idea, and he wants to help us live in that truth. So let me give you a couple examples out of the Bible where, where literally people were dealing with this and had to move on. There's a guy by the name of Trophimus. He's actually the very first inventor of the trophy. And then... Um, it's not true at all. Uh, one of Paul's friends, his name is Trophimus. Uh, he was accompanying Paul on his third missionary journey. And along the way, Trophimus gets sick. I mean, he's on a missionary journey. God's certainly going to heal him. He doesn't. Here's what Paul wrote. He said, Erastus stayed in Corinth, and I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. If I got those wrong, I don't care. Anyway, um, lots of... It. God could have. Trophimus is outdoing God's work, and he's like, eh. Nope, you're going to be sick. And Paul's like, I got stuff to do, so I'm going to move on, and I'm going to let you stay here. And they just kept moving, and they had to go spread the message. Trophimus is sick. People are going to have to look after him. God decided, I'm not healing you. There's another time, Paul, he's got a young protege by the name of Timothy, and Timothy's struggling with some sort of stomach issue or whatever, and God wasn't healing, and Paul wrote him a letter, and he said, use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. God could have healed him, but God didn't. And if you're like, oh, this is my excuse to drink. Um, that, no. Paul's like, listen, uh, I know you got a stomachache. God's apparently not healing you. Um, Paul's like, you better do what you can to make yourself better. God could, God didn't, so you need to deal with it and deal with it the best way you can. Paul himself had some physical issue that he was dealing with that God didn't take away. Paul referred to it as a, as a thorn in his flesh. Scholars have all these ideas of what it was. He never said. But he pleaded with God. He's like, God, would you take this away? Would you take this away? Time and time again, he's like, God, would you take this away? God didn't take it away. He's like, I know you can. God, I know you can take this away. I've seen you do bigger things than this. I've been a part of you doing things that are bigger than this. God, would you please? And God's like, no. Good, but I'm not. In fact, in that case, he actually says to Paul, listen, I'm going to show my grace to you through this, that my grace is enough. I'm the God that can, and he often does, but sometimes he doesn't. So when he doesn't, how do we deal with that? Because tragically, way too often, Christians say things that are just hurtful. 
when there's a situation like that. Oh, your daughter's still sick and struggling. Yeah, it's, it's probably sin in your life. Uh, if you didn't sin, that probably wouldn't be happening. Uh, there's enough evidence from Jesus that, that the blind guy there, they're like, how, why, did he, how, why is he blind? Jesus is like, it's not because of his sin. Oh, I know why you're not. It's not working. You're not praying right. You're doing it wrong. I mean, if you had faith of a mustard seed, you could move mountains so clearly you're just not doing it right. And Christians have this great ability to give helpful words and just pile on guilt and condemnation and just make you feel terrible about yourself. God isn't doing that because you're doing it wrong because we know he could and we think he should. And so unfortunately, if we don't get our heads around this, if we don't figure out how to handle this, we can internally get hurt so, de so deeply that, that we walk away from God or at least we walk away from a community of believers that follow Jesus and we distance ourselves. So we really have to be able to figure this out. What do we do with a God that we know can heal, but doesn't always do it? So to get started, let's see if we can discover the reasons Jesus didn't do miracles. He did a lot of them, and he often did heal people, but sometimes he didn't. So if we have an idea of sometimes why he didn't, maybe that will be helpful. The first reason Jesus didn't always do miracles is Jesus refused to perform a miracle to prove himself. Jesus never gave in to the, hey, if you're God... I dare you. It's like, no. Okay, if you're God, I double dare you. No. Okay, if you're God, I double dog dare you. He's like, no, 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 we don't, no. We, we can't blackmail God into what we need. You can't, you can't trick him into it. He's not, not the genie in the bottle. He's not a vending machine that we plug in. Court. He doesn't play that game. He refuses to perform miracles just to prove himself. One time during the life of Jesus, some religious leaders, the Pharisees, they walked up to Jesus and they wanted to make him look really, really silly. Here's what happens. It says, the Pharisees came and began to question Jesus, to test him. They asked him for a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply and said, why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly I tell you, no sign will be given to it. What's funny is Jesus has been running around all over the place doing all kinds of miracles different times, different places, different circumstances, different situations. Like, these guys have heard about it. They've, they've probably seen it. But when they're like, prove it, he's like, no. He's like, I know you want me to jump, but I'm not going to jump just because you said jump. Jesus wasn't just going to perform a miracle to prove who he was. He was going to do miracles that were in line with the heart of God. So the first reason Jesus won't perform a miracle is when it, it's a request to prove who he is. Next reason Jesus didn't perform miracles is Jesus never performed a miracle that interfered with God's ultimate plan. There's this amazing story of Jesus where, where he chooses to do a miracle in one moment and then just moments later withholds a miracle that was totally within his power. It's this remarkable story where, where Judas, one of his closest followers, has now betrayed him and switched sides and they walk up to Jesus. Judas is with the guards and they walk up to Jesus and the other disciples in the garden and he walks up and Judas kisses Jesus on the cheek and the kiss on the cheek is to tell the guards, this is the guy, arrest him, take him. He's the one we're going to nail on the cross. And when it happens, when Judas kisses now, the guards come up, Peter just kind of freaks out. Peter's like, this is not going to happen. I'm the closest, I'm one of the closest followers of Jesus. I'm not going to let this happen. And Peter's this good old boy, and he pulls out his sword, and he goes for the guard's head. It's a super brave moment, but a really case, bad case of bad aim. Like, he, he goes for the head, and he just takes off the ear. Right? I mean, he had to be going for the head, Right? There's no way Peter's thinking in his mind, okay, I'm shutting this whole thing down. I'm going to cut off the guy's ear. 
right? Like, that's, that's probably not going to solve it. But imagine the moment, right? Peter, Peter cuts off the ear, blood, and the ear probably goes flying off. It probably take, I don't know how much effort. It probably takes a bit of effort to cut off an ear, but it probably goes flying, and now there's pandemonium, and everything's like, oh, my goodness. And the ear probably didn't just land at his feet. I mean, it probably, like, flew over into the bushes or a rock or something like that. And Jesus is like, stop, stop, stop. I'm not, we're not fighting. Somebody get me the ear. And then there's this whole game of like hotter and colder. You know, like Jesus is like, John, give me the ear. And he's like, John, John, be warmer, warmer, colder, hotter, hotter. John, you're hot, you're burning up. It's right, right. And there's this whole thing with this ear thing that's not in the Bible, but it happened, I'm pretty sure. And so Jesus, eventually John finds the ear and he brings it back. And it's the first case of Mr. Potato Head. And he puts it on his ear, puts the ear on his head, forms this amazing miracle. Jesus is like, this isn't what I'm here for. I'm not here for a fight. I'm not here for a battle. Saul heals that guy's ear. And then it says this. It says, don't you realize that I could have asked my father for thousands of angels to protect us? And he would send them instantly. But if I did, how would the scripture be fulfilled that described what must happen now? In a moment, Jesus could have said, I'm out. No more. Don't want to do it. Boom. God would have sent his troops in. He would have sent them in instantly. But Jesus knew if, if that miracle were to happen, Scripture's plan for saving mankind would have been lost. God's plan needed to happen for you and I to ultimately know Jesus. And in that moment, Jesus did one miracle that, that didn't throw off the plan. And then another, in another moment, he didn't do a miracle that would have interfered with God's ultimate plan. Jesus didn't do miracles to prove himself. He didn't do miracles for temporary benefit that would override an eternal benefit or what would interfere with God's plan. And then the third reason that Jesus doesn't do a miracle is Jesus didn't do miracles when there was a lack of faith. When faith was absent, Jesus didn't do miracles. He goes to his hometown and the people are not impressed with him. They're like, eh, we grew up with him. Oh, it's Joseph, the carpenter's son. He's the annoying kid from school. Teacher's pet, knew all the answers, never talked never got in trouble and they're like we have no faith in you we, we don't believe what you're capable of and jesus the bible says jesus is like all right i'm not doing any miracles here what we have to understand is that that faith moves the heart of god faith matters to god when you and i pray in faith it touches the heart of god faith is what ultimately moves the process along three amazing examples of this. There's a woman in the Bible, she's been bleeding for 12 years. She's embarrassed. She's in pain. She's not allowed to participate in church. Jesus is walking through the middle of this huge crowd, massive amounts of people, and this lady is thinking, if in faith I just reach out, and if I could just touch the edge of his cloak, if, if I can just reach the end of his garment, if I can just get my hand on it, there will be enough there that, that I'll be healed. She does it. She manages to get close enough, and she touches Jesus' cloak, and all of a sudden, power leaves through Jesus, and he looks back, and he's like, okay, who touched me? And he's like, it was me. I, I, it was me, and, and it worked. I'm healed. And Jesus looks at her and says, daughter, your faith has healed you. He didn't say, hey, look what I did. He didn't want like, hey, God did. He's like, it was your faith that made it happen. It was your faith that unlocked the power. There's another time a man with leprosy falls at Jesus' feet and worships him. 
Leprosy is this horrible disease. It eats the skin, highly contagious, and this guy is just hoping Jesus can do something. Jesus looks down at the man and he says, Rise up and go. Your faith has made you well. Again, it's all about the faith. Another time, there's a blind man, can't see anything. He's like, hey, Jesus, I can't see you, but I can hear you. I know you're out there. Would you have mercy on me? And Jesus says, go. So Jesus, your faith has healed you. Again and again. It was faith that moves the heart of God. And here's what's so crazy, is that when we read the Bible, the only thing, there's only one thing that ever amazes Jesus You can look through the Gospels. There's only one thing that Jesus is ever amazed by. Big surprise. It's faith. Faith is the only thing that amazes Jesus. Now, sometimes he was amazed like, wow, that's a lot of faith. And other times he was amazed like, oh, that's it? You you don't believe I can do anything? There's a Roman centurion. His servant is sick and dying. He gets to Jesus, and he's like, Jesus, listen, I'm not worthy for you to even come to my house. I'm not worthy for you to to even start walking towards my house. All you have to do, Jesus, is you just say the word. You don't have to see him. You don't have to touch him. You just say the word. You don't have to even walk towards my house. Just say it. Jesus, I believe if you just say the word, he will be healed. And Jesus says the word, and he's healed. And Jesus is amazed and says, I've never seen faith like that before. And then you consider again his hometown. It says Jesus was a prophet without honor. And he looked at the town and he's like, I'm amazed. I'm amazed that you don't believe I can do anything. I'm amazed at their lack of faith. So the good news for you and I is that it's our faith that moves God. And earlier I mentioned that that Jesus did truly mention that if you want to move a mountain, if there's something in your life physically that needs to be moved, that it's so big that it's physically impossible to move, just a tiny bit of faith, Jesus says, can do it. If you'll put just a little bit of faith in my direction, it moves my heart to respond. So your faith sometimes will be super strong. Sometimes it'll be kind of strong. If you're like me, Oftentimes, your faith is really small and you're struggling. And you're like, God, I just I really need you to step in here. I need you to work. I have faith. Not very much. There's this incredible story about this dad. His son is going through all kinds of agony and all kinds of pain. And this dad goes to Jesus and just like any parent, if, you, if you're a dad or a mom and, you, and your kid's hurting and there's just this desperate desire to help them, and he gets to Jesus and he's like, I so want to believe that Jesus can help me. I just don't really want to get my hopes up. So if I get my hopes up, and then he doesn't. So he's like, Jesus, listen, if you can do anything, please, if you care, if you can do anything, please. And Jesus goes, well, anything is possible for those that believe. And then the Father captures where most of us live. Listen to the response to Father immediately. It says immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe! Help me overcome my unbelief. (laughs) I've seen you do it before. I think you can. I think you can do this for my son. I'm just just not totally sure. I'm afraid if I get my hopes up, then then if it doesn't happen, it's going to be really difficult. How... How can I still be sure, but not sure? 
in this particular, how do we do it? Jesus loves looking at us and understanding that, that our faith doesn't have to be perfect for him to move. We just have to have faith that he can and who he is. Just get real honest for a second with you. Hopefully you don't lose respect for me or maybe it'll feel better if you hear this. But there are times when I pray for people and I have no idea what God's going to do. Right? Somebody will come to me and say, hey, would you pray that God would heal this and help me with this? And so I'm praying and I'm hoping and they're like, I, I don't know what's going to happen. And, and my fear is that when I'm praying for them and when I'm, they, they know that the pastor is praying and like, if it doesn't happen, like, what's going to happen to their faith? What's going to happen to my faith? I mean, I'm a pastor. I am a professional prayer. <laughs> if anybody should be able to move Jesus, I think it should be me, right? just doesn't always happen so what we have to do is we have to discover how do we keep our faith intact enough to say i want you to heal i need you to heal i still believe in your power even if pigs don't fly and in that moment when we begin to say my faith is still true even when pigs fly it opens up and unleashes the opportunity to pigs all over the sky let me give you two thoughts that help us move forward. Two thoughts that will allow us to have faith. First one is this. Our faith isn't based on what God does. If our faith is based on what God does, we are going to live on a roller coaster. Not a fun one. If it's based on what God does and what God doesn't do. Oh, I got a new job. My faith is really big. Ah, oh, my kid didn't get into the college that he wanted and now my faith drops. Oh, my aunt was healed of cancer. Faith is climbing. My aunt's cancer came back and she passed away and now my faith is gone. It's a miserable way to live. It's not sustainable. It's not what God desires for us. And the true reality is every single person that Jesus ever healed, even those people that he brought back to life, they're all dead. You know that, right? They didn't just keep living forever. So we ask God to heal us, and sometimes he does, but ultimately we are all going to die. So if it's based on what he's done or what he's going to do, we're going to find ourselves pretty messed up. So what this means is then we have to make the adjustment not to have faith in what God does, but instead choose to have faith based on who God is. God is good. And God is faithful. And God is generous. And God is loving. God is merciful, God is gracious, God is just, and God is concerned for you. And those attributes never change. Faith in who God is was most demonstrated when he allowed Jesus to die on the cross so that we could experience who he is. And when our faith is based on who God is, when he chooses not to heal, then our world isn't rocked. Because God still hasn't changed. So when he responds, it's amazing. And when he doesn't respond, we still hold on to the who he is and our faith stays strong. And in the moment when the healing doesn't happen, we begin to recognize that God can ultimately use that for his eternal purpose. But at the same time, we still recognize that we serve a God that can make the impossible possible. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. But when we place our faith in who Jesus is and who he says he is, then if he says the word of healing, now it's possible. 
So my question for you is this. What is the healing that you need? What is the impossible that you need made possible? What is the pigs fly physical obstacle where you need God to intervene? And say, Jesus, listen, I know you can. I know you might not. I have faith in who you are. I have faith that's going to hold true if you take this action or if you decide that now's not the time. Jesus, I truly believe the pigs can fly. And I believe that if you say the word, you can heal my arthritis, you can heal my son's ankle. Jesus, I believe that if you say the word, the cancer will go away, the headaches will disappear, the anxiety will be removed. Jesus, I believe that if you say the word, sight can be restored and dead muscles can be brought back to life. Jesus, I believe. But would you help me overcome my disbelief? Jesus, I choose to put my faith in who you are, not in what you do. Jesus, we want to see you move on behalf of those in the room that have the need for some physical healing. So in a minute, the band's going to come and play, and we're going to do something a little different than we normally do. I'm just going to hang out right over here. And if you're this, here this morning and you're like, I, I need God to move. I need, I need some pigs to fly in my life. And you want somebody to pray with you, I'll be up front and I'll pray with you. And if more of you come, I've got some people back, backups in the waiting. But if you'd like to pray this morning for physical healing, I would love to join you over here. If you're like, I got this, go for it. After my whole thing about I don't know how to pray for people. Anyway, you might want to just do it on your own. But, but ultimately, it's about placing your faith in who Jesus is, telling him about the need that you have, and then allowing him to work as he sees fit. But each week in your program, we put these green connect cards in there, and we just challenge you to think back and reflect on what it is that you've heard this morning and decide for yourself how God, how you can respond to what God is saying. So on the back, it says your options are, your next step is to reflect on a time that you know the only explanation is a miracle from God. Maybe your next step is to consider which reasons you might be limiting a miracle in your life. Maybe your next step is to ask others to join you in prayer for the physical, relational, or emotional miracle that you need. Maybe your next step is to determine that you will maintain faith in Jesus even if he chooses not to heal at this time. Whatever your next step is, I just challenge you to take that. And again, during this last song, if you want to come, I'll be up here and I'd be happy to pray with you. Let's pray real quick. God, thank you so much for this morning. God, we believe that you can heal. We believe that, that whatever the issue is, you have the power to do the impossible. So God, this morning, I just pray that you would grow our faith. Grow each of our faith in, in, in who you are. And then trust that you'll do what you see best, but that we'll come to you with the faith that you have the capability to move mountains, to make pigs fly, to fix whatever it is that we need you to fix. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.